Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Why Aren't You a Doc Jet, the only science and tech podcast that you love because we're cool. We're the cool kids. All right, we're the ones in the club that's COVID secure in 2023, snorting sertraline. Is that <laughs> what? What? I, I, I just the word the fact that you referenced a club gave me instant anxiety because I have not been in a large public space oh. in over a year and a half but then the sertraline took it down all right that's what we do we just snort antidepressants and go on with our day is that going to go into the final cut probably not but is it going to make me feel slightly better about my life yes <laughs> <sighs> i am your host alex lathbridge i'm of course joined today by the wonderful oz ismail hi 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 and oz we've got someone pretty cool with us right we have an amazing guest today and we are so hyped, so hyped, so pumped, so all the uplifting <laughs> adjectives. <laughs> Wonderful guest that we've just hyped up like beyond belief. Like I was so gassed when you said yes to joining to this and I was like, what? We really shot, we shot our shot and then like it happened. And then I, I feel as though me saying this, like BV people are going to realize that they can shoot their shots but with loved ones and that. But in any case, um, guest. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Samantha Yameen, also known as Science Sam. And uh, if reaching out to me is shooting your shot, you got to aim high <laughs> because I'm the biggest fangirl of this podcast. I've never felt worthy to be here. So this is an honor for me. Oh, you didn't feel good enough. We don't feel good enough. It's like you're one of the gang. <laughs> wow. It's like, are we okay? <laughs> it's, are we okay? And it's like science does something to everybody to make them feel shit. What? No. Wow. Never. What? <laughs> never, never heard that before. <laughs> anyway, Sam, you're saying about shooting your shot, shooting shots at you, not being shots taken. You shoot 100% of the shots you miss. What? <laughs> I cannot follow that. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay, Oz. You've been in America too long. Also, you know, do you know what? When you're in America for this long, using the word shoot and using the word shot, like they're very triggering words in this side of the world for many different reasons. Oh, my bad. Uh, you know how in the Google Doc I wrote, do a few jokes, lighten the mood, big man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about gun violence, <laughs> vaccine deniers. Big man. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Lol, lol, lol. Just a casual, casual conversation. Big man, chill. Well, no. as it's on you and I to keep it chill, right? Yeah, yeah, it that's it. That's, that's it. it. Just, just, just bring it down low. Bring it down low. Sam, 
what have you been up to today? What have you been doing? All right. What does someone like you spend their time doing? Well, it's a Wednesday, so I did some I did some light work. I also was uh, aggressively watching um, our provincial press conference. So, you know, living my best reporter fantasy with that <laughs> um, and sharing stuff on social media. So basically what happens uh, in my life is I'll have a plan for work. I'm supposed to get done one day. Then news will break and all of that goes out the window and I'm behind on everything for the rest of the week. Uh, so that's what my day's been like. It's looking better, though, now that I'm here with you two. Aww. We're going to disabuse Aww. you of that notion very soon. Oz, <laughs> what about you? How's your day been? Uh, my day has been great. I spent the last two days in the lab in a basement for many, many hours doing all these scans. And I had not interacted with anybody for a while. And I mean, I'm saying that on top of like not interacting with anyone in terms of COVID as well. So this morning, I just like, took my time making my coffee and getting settled into work and uh yeah it's been very chill today after like two chaotic days of experiments i mean i really feel as though we need to grind home the fact that you now use coffee grinders to grind coffee beans and not what they're meant for which is grinding herbs and other spices like ginger all right i mean i feel as though the immigrant in you has gone (laughs) It's, it hasn't completely gone. I, I just have different grinders for different things. I've just like poshed up my life a little bit, you know? It's not like one size fits all when it comes to... Grinder. Kitchen. <laughs> also, when you say grinder to me, it means something different. So like, no. Drop the E. Yeah. <laughs> I just think of a, of a yellow app. This feels like... A, a yellow mask app. It feels like episode one or episode zero, the pilot episode all over again. This is the roller coaster before, like, you know, the bit where it goes up, 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 and then things go way down. The reason you might sound, I might sound overly joyous, overly happy, apart from having Sam here, is the fact that, Sam, what you want to chat to us about today is kind of sad. I say kind of sad. It's kind of real life, but real life is kind of sad. When I said, oh, hey, Sam, would you like to be on this podcast? And you were like, yeah, I guess, whatever, you, your nerd podcast, I'll go on it. <laughs> no, that is that and, was not my reaction. And that was Let not the record Sam's show. And, <laughs> and, and then I was like, oh, please come on this podcast. And you're like, fine, okay, what do, you, what do you nerds want to talk about? And I was like, oh, maybe you could give us something. You were like, oh, you know what? I will give you my time if we can chat about the infodemic. Do you know what that is, Alex? Huh? Dr. Alex, you call yourself on social media. Do you actually know what that is? And so I said, no. Not you smearing my name. And then (laughs) I went on Google and I Googled it. And it's terrifying. The infodemic. All right. The thing that you want to chat about today. The infodemic is a term first coined in 2003 in a Washington Post column by David Rothkopf. All right. And the World Health Organization last year described it as an excessive amount of information about a problem which makes it difficult to identify a solution. Right? Infodemics can spread misinformation, disinformation, and rumors during a health emergency. Infodemics can hamper an effective public health response and create confusion and distrust among people. Wow, so that was us coming all the way down from that damn roller coaster that you just talked about. Sam, <laughs> Sam, why did you why did you bring this into Oznai's temple of happiness? Why did you why do you okay. want why is this so important? <laughs> I mean, so I I think there's a lot of juicy things to talk about about the way that social media and science kind of interact and how social media changes the way we talk about science. 
And whether we like it or not, we're all feeling and experiencing the infodemic, whether we had that word for it. So it's just like the ultimate manifestation of that interaction. So that's why I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. We're all suffering from it anyway. We might as well figure it out and do something about it, in my opinion. (laughs) All right. Okay, Sam. So you spend a lot of time living your best life, essentially making science, I don't know, easy for people to understand and actually worth listening to, like getting people clued up on what's happening. I mean, like, why did you start doing that? I never had the intention of using my social media to talk about something as soul crushing as COVID. Um, I originally started on social media just to engage people with this scientific process. While I was doing my PhD, I would be spending long hours at the lab and my friends would always be like, why aren't you coming out? Like, what are you doing? Why do you have to be in the lab at midnight specifically? And so I thought, you know, maybe I should show people all the work that goes into finding facts and finding out new information so that next time they hear a random claim, they'll think a little bit more about it. Like, what, well, did they do all those studies that I saw Sam doing on Instagram? That's why I started. But then when COVID happened, um, it just became so necessary to bring people into some of the nuance because that's missing from our headlines and from our evening news. And I kind of felt the responsibility as someone people look to to learn about science to fill in some of those gaps and and make it less scary also. Because I kind of like to, like, I'm very anxious about everything in life. So I wanted to make less anxiety-inducing information by and for anxious people like me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love that it started as like this beautiful, wholesome thing of you being like, here's what it looks like to be a scientist too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I vowed to never talk about vaccines online because I didn't want to deal with the drama. And now that's all I talk about. And I'm just like, uh, I literally vowed that. No, no. I mean, I I made this vow like years ago to myself when I first started Instagram. And then Uh, the world was like, well, here you go. Have a pandemic. Now you have to do it. (laughs) Maybe I manifested it with this stupid vow. You did. Let's let's not blame me. <laughs> no, but yeah. So it's kind of it kind of just happened. Uh, I keep telling myself that's the last video I'll make on this topic, and then I'll move on to fun things again. And it's been nineteen months of that. I mean, so that's you amassed a lot of content over Instagram, Twitter, and of course my favorite TikTok. And you know, I've been compiling some of the greatest hits because I've got this fancy new mixer with a fancy new little soundboard. So I thought. You know, I could bring up some of the greats. All right. I'm ready for this. (laughs) I'm so ready for this. Because sometimes, sometimes when you see, when you see people posting, you know, big scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson posting, sometimes you look at it and you go, you have to stop posting. (laughs) (laughs) What was that, Sam? Once you put content out there, you're scared that it's being remixed and reused. It's no, I love it. <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm glad you're approving of Alex's abuses of your of your audio. <laughs> Once audio is out there, I do with it what I please. All right, but it's okay. It's okay, Sam. You know what? Just do not panic. From <laughs> all right, Just don't panic. It's fine. <laughs> oh ah, God. you see, lightening the mood. All right. The fact that I even have this shows that you've been doing a lot of stuff on uh, social media, especially TikTok. I mean, when it comes to 
the infodemic. How have you seen it? Because I've, you know, there, there's a, a definition of it there that we just spoke about. But like, how how have you witnessed it on a day to day? I feel the infodemic on the daily, in and I can sense it and keep a pulse on it in the way that people send me frantic messages and they'll send me a post that they saw or they send me a screenshot of a video and be like, is this true? Is what this guy is saying is true? That's how I feel it in my everyday life. I feel it through other people um, being panicked about new things that they're seeing, that's that their friends are sharing, that's being circulated in chat groups. Um, and you really can never, there's never a break in it. I, I don't know how many of these messages I've gotten, but many a day. Um, where people are seeing that, something and they're not sure what it is or if it's real. And that's that's just from like family and friends or just like everybody on the internet no, having oh. recognized that you you do these videos and they're reaching out to you. Oh yeah, this is just random, like wow. anyone online. Um, I keep my DMs open and I try to respond to as many as I can because not everyone knows a scientist mm -hmm. that they can ask questions to. So I try as best I can to reply when when I can and when it's, you know, a thoughtful question that's genuine. And do you, do you, do, have you ever had to engage with somebody who's like really just not, not buying into what you're saying and they just, just want to have an argument with you? Uh, I have so many of these a day, but <laughs> I, I typically, I have, I have some rules and boundaries that I set. Like if someone's calling me a, an insult, I've been called all sorts of things. If they lead with an insult, I, I don't even waste my time. Why would mm. I? Um, and if they're not here with a question, they're just here to like tell me their opinion on things and they don't really seem to want to learn. I might engage briefly once, send them a resource or something to think about. And if they respond negatively, I just won't ever reply again. Cause like, I don't really have time when there are thousands mm. of other people who do want to learn. Over the last year, over the last couple of years, I guess, how have things changed for you? Like, what have you seen? Have you had to employ any new tactics? Like, has is the Sam of um, September 2021 different from the Sam of May 2020? Absolutely. Um, I've noticed changes in the way that I communicate, and I've also noticed changes in the way people behave online. So when it comes to me, now I have um, some rules about, like, always leading with the clear truth and being simple in the headline so that if that's all people read, they leave with the right message. I used to kind of like tell a slow story and build up and whatever. And now I'm like, no, you need to know the bottom line information right away. So uh, I've definitely gotten better, I think, I hope, at simplifying things. Um, and I've also had to restrict and mute a lot more people because I've had, um, you know, targeted focused attacks on my profiles where people will just come in swarms and try to overwhelm so that I can't see those messages from people with genuine questions. And wow. um, they make it a really nasty space when I open my phone. So now there are all these tools that creators can use to kind of limit what noise they want to see. Um, so I definitely use those a lot more. Um, and then in terms of other people, I can see that one, a lot more people follow science accounts than they used to, which is kind of a benefit. A lot of people like have their go-tos now um, and hopefully those go-tos are evidence-based, but there's a whole crew of us now that have formed on Instagram um, and TikTok definitely where we all kind of support each other's work, amplify each other's work. And we can see the same people referencing like, oh, I heard this from you and this person and this person. Um, and so I think that's at least been a positive thing. I mean, it's astonishing to me that there are these like strategic attacks on people who are trying to oh. fight disinformation. And it's, it's oh, so yeah. much scarier than I even realized that people are like targeting people who are creating content like you 
to to almost silence you with with by overwhelming you it sounds like mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah and the, and i've seen it the scary thing is when it comes from someone who's local because i get really worried for my own personal like i'm like if wow. you're a stranger on the internet like whatever you know i can i can block you but if you live in my city like that's when i get really scared um so you got to watch out but i've had someone like take a basically take a screenshot of one of my videos so that my face was there and then they like put devil horns on it and said like she's trying to spread this lie i forget what it was about but it obviously wasn't a lie <laughs> um go and you know go and what i don't even remember but they told people to to go to my account and like spam me basically and so i just had like hundreds of notifications and i was like I mean, this sucks, but at the same time, you're just boosting my video. So now it's going viral again. Thank you. <laughs> that, that was my, I mean, that's the only attitude you can have. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, thanks for the spike in views, I guess. <laughs> that, I mean, I applaud you. That's incredible that you can channel that into something positive. Okay, I'll, t I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something petty that I think is funny that I do. So on Instagram, you can do this thing called uh, restricting someone and when you restrict them they can keep commenting they won't know you restricted them but no one else can see their comment and so oh my I God. when someone outs themselves on my page as like here to spread disinformation I'll just restrict them and I'll give a reply they'll see it then they'll waste all their time sending a hundred replies and no one else can see it so they're just yelling at themselves wasting their time and I'm like <laughs> just chilling <laughs> is genius i love that so much i didn't know that was a thing that is incredible that's what keeps me going it's the little things <laughs> it's the little pettiness Ooh. pettiness yeah. is fuel oh i love it i love it i love it sam you are you are one of the few guests that we've had that is on our level petty wise <laughs> right <laughs> Well, these microphones end, we'll chat way more shit. I love it. All right, we need pettiness. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, you, guys, you guys do legitimate science communication. Aren't you really clever? No, we're fiends. We're terrible individuals. Um, I am the Naomi to... Smalls. Life's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just health misinformation for the 21st century? Is that what the infodemic is? Or is, it, is there something special about it? We've always had infodemics. Infodemics are par for the course alongside pandemics. Um, back when they were first introducing the first smallpox vaccines, uh, you had propaganda forming saying that it's going to turn you into some type of animal, uh, some type of cow. There's like all these propaganda images. What? That really what in the Harry yeah, Potter? What? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and now people take livestock medicine, the irony. Anyway, um, yeah, so so there's always been health misinformation and there have always been people specifically against vaccines for, for a very long time. The difference now in this infodemic is the acceleration and the rate at which misinformation can spread because of social media. A lot of people want to you know, just point fingers at social media, but we would have had an, like, we would have had misinformation anyway, mm -hmm. but the scale of it, I think we can point fingers to social media. And I guess it's, it's the, the, the speed of which information's coming at you right now with social media as well, right? Like that must play quite a huge part in how quickly misinformation is spreading. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think people would still be talking about it 
regardless. And, and so I think things would still spread, but you're right. Like the, the speed at which things can spread and this, the scale, the number of people they can ultimately reach is much higher than before. Whereas, especially in a, in a situation where you can't gather in person, how would they have spread these messages to, to thousands? Right. So um, the scale I think is definitely attributable to social media. And I'm also, I was also wondering, um, the fact that you have like these visuals, um, these audio visuals, I guess, it's like, so, it's so much more present. It's, it is different to somebody just like telling you something off the cuff, as opposed to here is something that's visual that's going to stay with you in your mind. Um, and that feels real because it's somehow on screen. And so it must be real, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you'll notice that all the people spreading disinformation, they do it in these really personal ways with videos. For some reason, they're like always in the front seat of a car, like wearing a hoodie. Like it's always a white guy in the front seat of a car wearing a hoodie. It's, it's so crazy. Oh my God. Thank <laughs> you. because I of those sweet, sweet acoustics in the car. Okay. No. Is that what it is? Oh my God. Can we please not talk about car acoustics? I have a very... <laughs> oh. Alex is triggered. triggered. I, did, I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Ooh. It's okay. You, you, you have uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but yes, it always is. Like, is that? I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. I guess a mainstay of the infodemic I felt has been when I've seen things that I felt are misinformation or disinformation. They've often been really like personal story led. Is that something that you've seen as well? Yeah, and that's been studied um, in the literature, literature too. Um, it's often narrative-based. Uh, one, you'll see them talking a lot about anecdotes and, and taking one person's experience out of context and really sharing one person's experience or reaction um, without all the information, without looking at the data of how frequent that is. So one is very anecdotal. It's very anecdotally driven. But further, it's always encompassed in a really compelling narrative. Um, it's getting people's emotions involved right away so that they're sidestepping the science, sidestepping the logic and reasoning because they're now um, basically packaging it in a story about ideologies or about uh, an emotion that you may be feeling like solitude and loneliness or something. And so you get to really skip all of the data when you have this really compelling, flashy story like that. So it's often packaged in this way. Uh, even though when you follow it, it doesn't always make sense. Like there's no, I've tried, I've tried to like debunk line by line and you can't because the person's not really making a point. They're just going in a circle saying things that you agree with without saying anything that makes sense. Mm. Wow. I mean, how do you like, how, how do you then reason <laughs> with anybody, I guess, if, they, if they're just going around in a, an argument that isn't actually an argument, it's just they're just trying to uh, overwhelm yeah. you into just yeah. believing their point. Yeah, and, and that's definitely what it is, by the way. Like, there's this uh, debate tactic called Gish Galop, where they'll just throw different no, things No, no, at no, you. no, no, no. You and can't just say what? a word and just, like, you just, I'm sorry, what? Gish Galop, which is when someone in a debate will just, like, overwhelm you with different points, none of which are valid and hold up, but there are just so many that the person on the other side of the debate can't really keep up because there are too many things to try to dissect. And that's what a lot of these people do. They'll just say a bunch of things. None of them are true. There are sometimes a kernel of truth but they are taking it completely out of context and extrapolating uh, and it makes it really hard to debunk in a sense because there's just too many falsehoods wrapped up in this compelling story 
I mean, I think with you, you'd probably be able to make a response like a TikTok for that, like quite easily, though, if you're responding to someone who's just saying like lots of different things at the same time, right? Wouldn't that be simple? Yeah, there, it, it's kind of not my style. There are a lot of people who do that really well. There's someone whose TikTok name is Christina NP. <laughs> There's lots of A's in it. Um, uh, epidemiologist Kat does this a lot. It's Eric. Uh, Dr. Eric does this a lot where they'll like stitch someone else's video or duet someone's video and correct it. Um, I think that approach works well for me. I just get overwhelmed because there are too many of these types of videos to debunk that I, I'd rather, I think that specific work that people do is really important, but I like to do the bigger picture storytelling on the evergreen things to help people be more armed when the next video comes. So you kind of need people doing both and it's more my style, I think, to do the big picture stuff. Um, I think I would like, yeah, personally for my own mental health, <laughs> I don't think I should do that, but I could, you know, read someone for filth if needed. <laughs> I'm not in the trenches but like you, <laughs> all right? I'm built different. I'm dominant. I'm dominant. Oh my God, do not bring that person's TikTok into this podcast. I hate it. <laughs> Now, you make so much content. Does it ever worry you that people can repurpose your content for their own nefarious means? And has that ever happened to you? It's definitely happened where people have screenshotted things I've said or taken them out of context. Um, it's happened a lot, definitely, to the higher-up officials. I know Dr. Maria Van Kerkovi from the WHO has had it happen a ton where people will take something out of context from two years ago or a year and a half ago and and be like, but you said this. Uh, I, you can't, if, if you're worried about that too much or you're worried about every little bit of perfection, you'll never be able to create. You know, it really, I do worry about being high quality and, and being as rigorous as I can. But at some point I have to be like, this is the best I can do. So I'll just put a caveat somewhere. And if someone takes it out of context, um, I'm hoping that I'll, I'd be able to like clap back fast enough to, to nip it in the bud. But I do take special care to make sure if I'm debunking something, the truth is always like physically in the graphic close enough to the part they may try to screenshot. So I, I think about like, how can I make this hard to screenshot and misquote me, I think about that, but like you can only do so much. People who want to lie will, will lie. And they'll even screenshot something that's truthful and is against their point and they'll share it and they won't even like, <laughs> they'll still I mean, just share it. <laughs> so that, that also, to me, that also speaks to how, how politicized like these kind of scientific um, issues and health issues have become because these are tactics that politicians have been using for a long time. And now like it's spilled into like the, the, the public health realm. And uh, it's astonishing to me that we have to get to that level to be, to, and it is pettiness, but also like, when did it, when did facts become this difficult to get across? That, that's the frustrating thing is the ideological arguments because that when something becomes ideological, it becomes cemented and it will be really hard then to have a productive conversation. But if someone wants to debate and disagree, I'm so here for it. And I, I wish people like respected that. Like I, I'm here to be wrong. I'm here to argue. I'm here to debate, but I'm not here to like not talk about science or it's literally my name online is science sam like i think it's pretty clear 
what I'm here for. Um, but yeah, it's it's become not even politicized. It be it's like beyond political polarization. People have taken it so so far. We can have political discussions in science, but they've made it like highly partisan and highly about really extreme ideological values. And that's where it's like there's no getting through to people at that stage. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, well, but that, shit. But, but no, hold on, hold on. No. no, no. I promise silver linings. That's the vast, that's a loud minority of people who are extremely organized and have bots working with them and all this stuff. That's the vast minority. The vast majority of people and the people in my DMs in much higher frequency, they just want to know, like, they just want to know what should I do to stay safe and protect people? Like, they have good intentions. So, like, I don't really pay attention to the people who are a minority and, like, aren't clearly here for what I'm here for. I mean, that's reassuring to hear because throughout this entire pandemic and still, I'm still wondering how many people because we do always hear about the people who are just like very against um mm -hmm. the policies that are being put in place to control this pandemic very against vaccines um very against masks but i'm always like uh, I, I flip from being anxious to being like oh my god so many people are against this and i just really just want to go back to normal life and we're never going to get there mm -hmm. to actually maybe there are a significant number of people who are just compliant and just quietly compliant about it, like like myself yeah. and my friends. It, has anyone, like, does anyone have a handle on what those numbers are? Yeah, it varies from place to place. Um, so I, I feel like UK and Canada would be somewhat similar, but they're the numbers of people who are strongly against things are a little higher in the US. Um, but in Canada, if you look at people who like strongly refuse not to get vaccinated, it's like less than 9%. You know, it's it's a vast ma minority of people and the overwhelming majority are in favor of public health measures, right? So it does vary from place to place. Um, but the problem is the minority are very loud and they make for better entertainment. Um, and the And the people who are in favor of these things are typically quite quiet. There was a recent study that showed people who uh, are really aggressive about their political views in person also tend to be willing to talk about their political political views online, whereas people who don't have as polarized political views don't like to talk politics online. So you just won't hear from them. So you have a loud minority versus a quiet majority. Like, why are we wasting our time on these very small number of people who aren't willing to engage meaningfully when you know, they're not the target audience in my in my work. I mean, I just so, like, I was going to say, I just like the fact that you said the minorities um, that are very loud and entertaining. And I was like, oh my God, it's our brand. <laughs> wait, wait, can we be clear? I'm talking about ideological minorities here. <laughs> oh All right. Sorry, 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 Sam Yamine, yeah, yeah, a very colonizer name. All right. That looks very, very, very white. <laughs> Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to ask as well, do we have a handle on what platforms are the best and the worst in terms of the infodemic? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, so in general, most studies on social media, uh, especially when it comes to science communication, the big weakness is that not all of the platforms are equally open on the back end for these types of analyses. 
So for example, you'll see a lot more studies based on Twitter because Twitter has the most open-ended API, whereas Facebook um, and Instagram, they are much harder to study, so they're often not studied. So in many ways, we can't answer that question, but I can speak, um, like you'll definitely get a lot more troll comments um, on Twitter and TikTok because one, Twitter is very searchable, so they can just have bots set up whenever you mention the word vaccine, they're just going to come attack you. And TikTok, the majority of people who view your content there don't follow you. So you automatically have like non-supporters in your comment section. Whereas on Instagram, it's actually changing now, but historically, at least 50% of people who would see my content would be following me. So there'd be a lot of support amongst any of the more negative comments. Uh, now that they're switching to more video-based and trying to you know, push content out more beyond who follows you. Uh, now that's changing. In the last month, 83% of people who saw my content didn't follow me. So now we might start to see things shift where you also feel a lot of the overwhelmingness on every platform, basically, because they're going to more of this like virality type of algorithm. Because that, that also <laughs> worries me in terms of the, the platforms. I mean, on one hand, yeah, it's, it's extremely annoying, I guess, for creators to be constantly like inundated by these trolls and uh, people trying to silence them. But also in the more closed platforms like Facebook, where you actively have to seek out a connection with somebody, you're then just like screaming at each other. And it just doesn't really serve any purpose at the end of the day, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I like that there's a push for things to be... I, I like, it helps me break out of my echo chamber, mm. um, which is, is what you're kind of describing. Yeah. Uh, the fact that people not following me will see my account, like especially because I'm a science account. So obviously people who are going to follow me have some interest in science. It's a bit of a biased sample. But now that I can use these different strategies to reach people who don't follow me, I can break out of those echo chambers and bubbles, which is a good thing. It comes with the price of having to deal with maybe more nasty messages, but you know, I deal with that as best I can. And we have support groups for creators and, you know, private venting sessions and that helps. Sam, are you happy? Like, are you okay? Because you're doing a lot. Like, this is, damn. I I'm I'm happy to share it. Like, I'm, I'm, I am okay. I've been better. Um, <laughs> I was, I, no, but really, I think it helps that I've been doing this a while. And like, the one good thing about doing a PhD, like you really learn to separate. <laughs> From your work because <laughs> your research is so personal like you get really good at compartmentalizing is this healthy i gotta ask my therapist tomorrow um, but yeah so, like, i did a podcast about it <laughs> <laughs> Just, i'm gonna i'm literally gonna ask them like do i compartmentalize too much do you finish no, your I, cbt I say, <laughs> nah but look at this sick download stats look at them <laughs> earlier in this year uh my anxiety was like really through the roof and i wasn't okay and uh, i needed to take breaks and and things like that. But for me, doing this type of work does re-energize me. And it gives me like some amount of control in a situation where I have no control. So for me, it is energizing. I set limits and boundaries and like, I'm no longer talking about COVID on the weekend on Instagram. If you check my Instagram on the weekend, it's just me being stupid, like, part, like not partying. It's like me and my partner, like, drinking wine and being boring like but yeah so uh 
but my anxiety has been heightened and in those ways, you know, I wasn't okay. And I'm, I'm lucky to have access to therapy. Oh, I'm getting, I'm, ah, <laughs> we stand uh, good mental health. All right. That's what we're here uh. for. Everyone being happy. So you are obviously um, a nice person. You're a great individual and you bring it out in the content that you make. You, people trust you. All right. Because like you make it nice and warm and engaging and stuff. Some people are shit on Twitter. Some people are shit on TikTok. Some people are shit on Instagram talking about science. What are they doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Science Twitter is a lot. There are, yeah, <laughs> definitely some not great communicators out there. And I would say uh, I would classify you as that if uh, two things happen. Either one, you're condescending and rude and dismissive. To me, that means like, you can do that in your private time. Why are you putting it out there? Why are you making it harder for those of us who are actually trying? Um, so if you're condescending, especially in a public health crisis, that's not my favorite thing to see. That is not my truth. Um, and the other thing, oh, now I forget what the other thing was because I got so angry about the first thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and the other thing is uh, that contributes to the infodemic really is I always try to think before I make something like, is this necessary? Because the infodemic isn't just about misinformation. It's about the volume of information, both true and false. So I often think like, do I need to post this? Maybe I do. Maybe this hasn't been said in a way that I think would resonate with my audience and the people I want to reach. Maybe I think it needs to come from someone like me, or maybe I think it needs to come from someone else. Like, I, I really think, do I need, is this necessary? Am I helping? Because if not, if it's already been said, I'd much rather amplify and consolidate sources so there are fewer things people have to sift through. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, information is information. And don't think about how overwhelmed people are. And then you have, you're right. There's so much more to sift through. Even if you are an expert in a certain area, like to try and figure out if something is real or not. Like when I get sent stuff, not to the scale that you do, usually I get it from my family. I'm just like, why does this video exist? Like who made this and why did they make it? And now there's like extra work to go and mm -hmm. debunk or agree with this thing that someone has made. Um, but I never thought of it in the context of like how it contributes to this like overwhelming misinformation. Yeah, I wrote I wrote an opinion piece for nature, just casually flexing here. <laughs> but Flex all you April, want. Oh, that's what we're here for. In April April last year, I wrote an opinion piece and it was tips for scientists on how to help with the pandemic. So this was like, you know, one month after it had been declared. The number one tip I gave was amplify first. And I don't think I realized how important of a tip that was, but like standing here over a year later, I think that was, you know, you look back at your work and sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I didn't say that. That's the one thing I, I stand by, <laughs> you know, like I stand by that. Um, there's way too much noise. And again, I think there's a lot of validity to, I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage anyone. If you feel really compelled to share a message, if you haven't seen it, been shared in a way that you know would be important to communities that you care about, please, by all means, create that thing, do it. But if it's already been done in a way that you think is meaningful and achieves the goal that your content would achieve, then I would rather you just amplify. So when people are just always trying to have a hot take or always trying to, you know, just gain popularity, especially off the back of a pandemic, that's a second thing for me that is not ideal. Like we're on a team, Let's amplify one another before we keep contributing to the noise. So I guess what you're saying is... Do anything for clout. Do 
anything for clout. That's exactly what I said. Exactly. That was, <laughs> that was it. Perfect. You have made Alex's day. <laughs> my week, my month. It's a honestly, it's a very low bar, but you've done really well. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I often also wonder in the context of this pandemic, whether uh, the level of mistrust in this in this, this scientific stuff that's coming out has mm -hmm. it always been this bad or are we just hearing about it more because we are now globally in this together did you have any like takes on that do you know yeah i think when you look at larger surveys again it, it does vary by country but when you look at like general surveys about how much do you trust science or trust scientists i don't think the levels have significantly changed in the last year or two to prior years. I think it's been quite um, consistent across the years. So I don't know that we have necessarily more mistrust or distrust. Uh, we are definitely hearing about it more. And I, I, uh, it might be more specific, right? Like a lot of people will say, for example, um, I get all my other vaccines, but I don't trust these particular ones, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes um, people are like really honing in and mistrusting those specific things related to the pandemic because also it's so personal. Science has never been so personal before as it is now for most people. <laughs> and it also feels like now more than ever, science does need to like break those barriers because even even as someone who practices science, there are so many, getting access to information is not as easy as it should be and so then expecting yeah. everybody to be able to access that that original paper or that first hand data mm -hmm. is impossible and then 
even if you can access it, it's impenetrable. It's the yeah. way it's written. It's the way it's uh, like presented. Mm-hmm. Um, and do, do you think do you think that's going to change, into, especially since this pandemic, that science will become more open, even though there's been a push for science to be open for many years now? I think we've definitely had some concrete case studies as to how open science and even like pre preprints as a simple example. Um, we've seen that there has been value in sharing things quickly and sharing things more openly. So I, I do hope that that trend continues, but there's so much more work that needs to be done because it being open doesn't mean it's accessible. Um, it doesn't mean that it's well communicated. And so mm. there are so many, I was advocating for so long when this all started, every single preprint related to COVID needs to have a like plain language summary at the top about what this means, what it doesn't mean and the limitations because every preprint was getting misquoted and it was just awful because they weren't written for everyone to see. So I want to move in that open trend, but I want to do it with accessibility and with clarity in mind, which our standard science doesn't have and needs. (laughs) But for all the good work that you do, do you ever feel that there are some scientists, I feel this is going to be so petty and specific, do you feel there are some scientists out there (laughs) who are actually making things worse for the good people like you who are trying or who aren't learning? Yeah, tons. Uh, So many, so many people who, like, this is the thing. I get why people, uh, I get messages often from people being like, well, you know, this guy was rude, so I don't really trust him because he's part of this thing. Or like, uh, the government hasn't taken care of me. I don't have access to paid sick leave, so why should I trust them? And I'm like, I'm on your side. There are a lot of assholes in science and in government, and systemically, they don't care about us. Like, you're right. I'm asking you to trust the people like me, the people like you both, like the people in the system that is messed up who are trying. I'm not asking you to love the government. No, we are protesting. (laughs) That's fine. But... (laughs) We're seeing the people within those systems trying to make it better. That's why I'm asking you to trust. I'm not asking you to to like listen to all these like dude scientists with major ego problems who are just getting off having followers and likes on Twitter. No, ma'am. In fact, as a general rule, who said that a white cis man is the face of the revolution? Who said this? <laughs> and why do y'all believe it? <laughs> like, every time. <laughs> Sorry. That's my that is, no, I was just needs that to be said. Episode specific merch. That <laughs> quote. <laughs> who said it? <laughs> like who if because if I, I have a blacklist, and this is what people don't know. This is the 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 real stuff to be spilled to whoever is the science drama queen. All of the women science communicators and the queer science communicators. We have a blacklist of who all the shady people are and we share with one another and we warn each other, don't trust this person or be careful or don't follow him back or this and that. And let me tell you, that list is all a certain type of white guy. Like, oh my there God. are a few white women on it too, but like we have a blacklist and if I'm not amplifying someone, it's on purpose. That That's all I'll say. Oh my God. Serious tea. Oh my God. Yeah. I love it. Oh my God. Literally, we have group chats. We have phone. I just had an hour long phone call yesterday where we were exchanging names and like, oh, wow. Good thing I don't follow him because he did seem like a bit of a dick from his last few tweets. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then they confirm and they'll tell me stories. I'm going to give the example. Like there are people who are scientists who are awesome, who will make troll accounts, like fake account burner accounts to harass 
so many women epidemiologists, like they get harassed by these, their fellow scientists because they disagree on small things. And this is, these are real people who, who like do good scientific work too, but clearly don't have the best intentions being online. Wait, what is the tea? The girls are fighting. No. It needs to be said. It needs to be said. That's wild. I'm happy to say that. Okay. I'm just checking that neither Oz nor I are on any sort of blacklist, please. No, you're not. But watch yourself. (laughs) But this is the the good part of social media, though. We would have never been able to find other people with like-minded values. All of these awesome people that I have connected with, including you both, we wouldn't have connected without social media. We wouldn't have been able to have each other's back. And we would have been dealing with the same type of bullshit on our own. Now we have some power in the platforms we've built with authenticity to hold those people who don't deserve their power to account. And that's the thing where I'm like, social media sucks, but also I wouldn't be on this podcast. I wouldn't be reaching the people I reach if without it. And I wouldn't be able to give a better reputation for science than what the the status quo has without it. Also, this uh, this podcast exists because somebody slid into my DMs Look, many yeah. many years ago. Didn't you? Look, didn't you, you love it. Look, Aww. you love it. <laughs> All right. And <Aww. laughs> um, what I'm, I will not deny it. And me and social media, I've sort of been thinking about it slightly differently now because. You know, you've got people like you, Sam, who you're making content, really trying to fight misinformation, gain people's trust um, in science and stuff. And whereas, like, I use my Twitter to, like, shitpost, you know, Instagram and stuff, like memes about Squid Game at 2am or whatever. And so, like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, should scientists stop criticizing science, like, research, like, poorly done research or whatever? Like, obviously, no. But, like, the point I'm trying to make is like do we ever by like doing our normal thing of like criticizing poorly done research or criticizing things that should be criticized do we ever open good research you know important research up for attack by bad actors if that makes sense no it does I think about this so much um because but but so, so here's my resolution. I think it's important that we, as individuals, hold the system and institution of science to account, including the individuals who, in you know, get power from the way the system's currently set up. And I think it's actually integral to trust. And Karina Newsom just did like an amazing tweet that um, said this much more eloquently. I should pull it up. So if you don't follow her already, Karina Newsom, uh, she's at hood underscore naturalist. Um, on social media. She says, the impact of distrust in science ranges from inconvenient to deadly. Science communicators are on the front lines of trust building. And when they choose to use their platforms to intentionally insult large people uh, and groups, sorry, large groups of people, they compromise trust. To build that trust, science communication must be approached with an intersectional lens, meaning we have to operate with the understanding that people's identities and experiences inform their perception of trust um, and interaction with science and science professionals. Sorry, I guess I'm not that good at reading, but I think you can see from there she's saying we got to bring in all aspects of our identity and bring all aspects um, of that and our values into how we talk about and critique science, and I wholeheartedly agree. Um, but it's our job as science communicators to be willing to critique 
the institution of science, while at the same time saying, yes, it has flaws, there is values to it, and there's also limitations as well. Like, that's what we're doing, and that, to me, is being a good science communicator. Um, and that will that's what's needed to earn trust that the scientific institutions have not earned. How do you find that balance of showing people, hey, you can trust me, while at the same time also rallying against system? Because you can, in one tweet, rally against system, be like, hey, this is corrupt, or hey, you aren't doing this right, this correctly. But then at the same time, you want people to trust what you're saying about mm -hmm. science, because they see it as this big monolith. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? That The mathematics isn't mathematics thing. Well, there are many places where we can disagree in science. We can disagree with methodology that's, you know, um, miscategorizing people with racial categorizations when they shouldn't because it doesn't make sense to. We could um, critique that they're only including binaries when they're looking at gender information. Like there are strict methodology things that I think we can and must critique, but often where many debates happen are in this other category of things where when we're applying science to policy uh, and now social things come in and politics come in. And that's often where um, a lot of disagreements, especially related to the pandemic, happen. So I think when it comes to that second category, um, it's more about us saying, yes, this thing is important. However, the way this person is going about it is not the most equitable, right? So really dissecting and being specific you know, no broad blanket claims that have room for misinterpretation. There's no time for that, especially 19 or whatever months in the game. Being very specific, like, I agree that we need this, starting with the common ground, which is always a good idea in science communication, and then saying, but I disagree with how it's happening. I, I think that's, in a, a vague example, um, the my response to that. Actually ties into something else. Uh I saw this review um, of a book, as a science book, and the book was um, by this sort of eminent scientist whose name I forget, irony, um, who was going around, quote unquote, debunking pseudoscience and whatever, you know. And the reviewer essentially said, okay, you know, you've hit all the, the good parts, but it reads as someone who comes across sort of pretty much like a dick is what the, the undertone was. Um, and there was this quote that I really liked. It was saying, this book is an example of a scientist always being on transmit and never being on receive because, you know, throughout the book, they, they, they went up against pseudoscientists. They went up against, you know, debunking all of these things, but never actually took the time to, you know, think about these people's lives a bit more. And I mean, for you, how have things changed in the last 18 months? Because, you know, how tactics people use to talk about science have changed. I mean, I know I asked this question right at the beginning, but I'm asking it again with a slightly different inflection. And it means that you're going to give a completely different answer because that's how interviewing works. I am. I am going to actually, because when you said that always on transmit and not on receive, this is the whole value of social media. It's social, which means interactions can go in multiple directions with many people involved. That's why it's hard, but it's also its key advantage. If I go on the news to talk about science, that's great, but it's one way. I can't hear feedback. I can't even read the room to know how people are, are feeling about what I'm saying. 
online. I can have people commenting. If I wasn't clear, they can ask for clarification. I can give more details. I can send them a link. We can go back and forth. And because of that, I've been able to not only build trust um, prior to the pandemic, but during it. I've had people who first messaged me months ago, I I don't want to get this vaccine. I'm against it, whatever. They've slowly followed for more information. We've had conversations over the course of months. And the last message I got from them now is a vaccination selfie. You know, like they went and did it. You can't do that on other forms of media as easily, but you can have a back and forth. And is that not the first lesson you get when you're starting science communication that we can't mm-hmm. have these transmission models? It needs to be constitutive back and forth. We can't treat people like empty vessels. We have to see what they're bringing and, and how they're feeling and then discuss, not just talk at people. Um, so that's why I like social media is we can go back and forth and we can engage. It makes it annoying sometimes, <laughs> but you just can't do that at scale anywhere else. And I think it's needed in the way that we communicate, especially about things that are so personal and impactful to our everyday lives. So one of the big things um, that has been talked about when it comes to misinformation is um, ivermectin, ivermectin. Sam, have you come across this? Yes. Many people are wondering why they can't take this medication regularly or when they start feeling unwell to prevent COVID. Um, And it's been flying off the shelves and people have been having really nasty side effects from it. And the answer is because it hasn't been shown to be helpful. There are ongoing clinical trials to show, to test whether it will be helpful. Like we have tools to assess new medications and it hasn't been shown to be helpful at safe levels for people to take. So please stop taking it. Oz, have you heard about this? Isn't this like some kind of horse uh, yes. poop thank you thank you sam because sam you went straight through like, and i was now like it's fucking horse dewormer sorry yeah <laughs> this is, for, this is initially is... when i saw when i saw some like tweets and memes about people taking horse medication i was like are people injecting ketamine to like fight coat like what's happening and then like i heard it was horse dewormer and i was like is that worse that feels like it's worse. <laughs> it's definitely worse because they're not the right doses. <laughs> I like, I like, I like that you in your scumbag brain was like, "Oh, cool, we're doing cat, solid." <laughs> I mean, I just, I was just being logical. Shut up. Um, My mind just went back to Reading Festival. Just ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That that makes you the shitbag, not me. <laughs> can we talk where did this come from is this the same as remember a few well sometime in the uh, pandemic last year uh there was a other drug that hydroxychloroquine uh, that's the one uh mm. that came out of nowhere and got amplified by Trauma. a bunch of yeah <laughs> by a bunch of very high platform people um and then people started taking it and getting very sick is it where did where did this horsey woman come from i'm very curious i don't know some guy uh, <laughs> some, i'm sorry some, it's some, some guy some guy just, just some dude started say, but but the, some guy and i don't get why people are going to take a random medication from a random guy 
and not a medication that's been tested. Like I, I don't, and that's that's also the weird thing, right? <laughs> because like as you like very eloquently put it, it's not it's not been tested. It's like in oh, it's in trials, and there are ways to do it. There are ways in which the trials we've done trials for the vaccine, and people are very against that, saying that it's not been tested. And, and then they'll here, quote one little study that was yeah. flawed and that wasn't reproduced. And they'll be like, but yeah. this study showed. And we're like, yeah. where was that energy right. for every, the the many studies on back? Where is this energy <laughs> for every other study? <laughs> oh, but you got that energy for the for the horse that you were. Oh, I didn't realize you were in the pocket of big horse. Is that what we're doing? All right. <laughs> this is an yes. equine conspiracy. <laughs> it is. I just love and all the like. there will be another one. <laughs> I just love all the uh, all the memes that are like horse related, <laughs> and I'm suddenly like, so horses are doing this. <laughs> this is this is coming from big horse. <laughs> oh god! Anyway, I was about to say something proper filthy, um, based on big horse, but the internet's actually made it even better. I'm sorry, Sam, you've entered a den of filth. Hannah and Sahel aren't here to temper it for us. All right. <laughs> so on Reddit. There, you know, there are lots of subreddits um, for people who have, I guess, different thoughts on coronavirus and, um, you know, if, if they're vaccine hesitant in any way or skeptical, you know, some of them congregate on more esoteric subreddits. One of them is the ivermectin subreddit. So people who are all going there, they're sharing like they're sharing their thoughts, they're sharing like their experience taking it. So trying to help one another, because, you know, even if we don't agree with what they're doing, they're still trying to help one another, which I guess is nice in a way, I, I guess. But um, recently, the Internet being the Internet, um, they the users have um, brigaded, like properly swarmed the Ivermectin subreddit and started spamming it with um, furry horse porn. So the, yep. So the subreddit has to be reclassified as not safe for work, so people couldn't like you couldn't access it readily, and that shit is hilarious. All right, I didn't even know that was a genre of porn. Isn't that oh, the rule of the internet? If you my, can think of it, sweet, porn. My sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the disgusting one on no, this podcast. No, I I never expect to have to do um like. You know, to ever have to prepare for chatting about science um, and then in the same minute um, go from reading a paper to looking at a horse <laughs> just inserted fully into an animated woman's um, genitals. So it was a very weird, it was very, very weird. It was a very weird moment. You're going to get some really weird Instagram adverts. No, well, obviously it wasn't, I wouldn't do it. I did it on incognito mode um, because that's how I do most of my browsing and uh, use the VPN. But they're listening. <laughs> I wish they were listening. <laughs> big horse is listening. Yeah, um, the big, big horse is listening. Oh shit. <laughs> so, He's so, always so, listening. So, I, I didn't realise a big horse was out here in these streets. <laughs> is out there you hear that clip clopping sound outside your house 
Loki, it's just you there doing like year one pantomime with two halves of coconut for like clip. Let me fuck with your mental health, Alex. Clip. Is it a nativity play or will this give you long term mental health trauma? Clip clop. Oh, God, we have fun. We have fun. Sorry, Sam, for throwing you into this. Are we okay? <laughs> Are we okay? No, because you know to what? come out of that little hole that you've gone down on Reddit. Yeah, no, it, was, it was weird. It was very strange. But but that is one way the internet has come together. And they've said, you know, as a show of force, we are we are against it. You know, in other places on Reddit, as a whole, loads of moderators, loads of subreddits came together, basically saying that the platform should um, fight, do more to fight misinformation. Mm-hmm. So the platforms being asked to do more about misinformation, and I keep reading these news articles about how social media platforms are going to do more about misinformation. I don't know that I've necessarily seen it translate to like, my, like my user experience or like seen significant things aside from okay, when someone posts something on their Instagram story or their um, or their Instagram post about anything that says COVID or vaccine on it, the CDC thing will like get flagged on it saying, yes, where to get information. But beyond that, are social media platforms doing any more to combat misinformation? They're doing, they're, I think that we can hold big companies account to do a lot more. (laughs) Uh, So let me start with that. I would say some pretty good wins were that they've deplatformed some of the disinformation dozen. So you can find that the majority of, um, specifically vaccine misinformation comes from 12 people, stems from 12 people. Yeah, wow. they're called the disinformation dozen. What the yeah. fuck does that sound like a Krispy Kreme? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit. It's a lot less delicious. You don't get a coffee <laughs> yeah. with it. Um, I'm trying to find the exact stat because here, just, oh, there you go. Just 12 anti-vaxxers are responsible for almost two-thirds of anti-vaccine content circulating on social media platforms. That's from counterhate.com. That they did an analysis. And yeah, and I don't think all of them, this has happened for all of them, but for several of them, they've had their um, various accounts on different platforms taken down. And that's that makes a huge difference. So that's one win. It took way too long to happen. I think it just happened earlier this year. I don't really know what time is <laughs> these days, but I think it was sometime this year. <laughs> um, and so that was a pretty big win. Facts. Wow. Um, uh, that really blows my mind. You know, two thirds, they're, they're responsible for two thirds of the stuff that you're having to, to try and fight online. Do you ever think, God damn, you got to like respect the work rate though. That hustle. Like you... Loki. But also, like, I are, wish. Why not me? Do you know what? Yeah, like, do you know what? It's like, wow, like, you're doing terrible, terrible things, but like, ooh, ooh, there are level, ooh, level. Obviously, you're doing a terrible thing, but levels. <laughs> but, but actually, yes, <laughs> in the sense that we need to dissect why they're so successful and see are there things that they're doing that we're not that would be ethical for us to do. And the answer to that is what we discussed earlier of the storytelling and narrative and paying attention to people's emotions because science doesn't always include that part of in its rhetoric, right? Like validating that it's okay to be scared or it's okay to have questions. That's what these people do because they know that they may have doctors in the past who weren't empathetic and didn't have good bedside manners, manner, so it works. 
So low-key, yes, I think we should look at them and be like, why the hell are people listening to you? You're full of shit. <laughs> and how can I, how can I <laughs> come this way? <laughs> this influential, damn. Yeah. Can, you <laughs> like, imagine, can you imagine if we had that much clout? We'd fix the problem. Oh my God. No, I'm so jealous. I'm often so, I'm, I'll tell you, like, that people who spread disinformation can just make shit up and post in five seconds. I'm so jealous because I is... have to read for hours and vet it with people and then think about the wording and then record it and re-record it because I said one word wrong that may come out cross that... confusing. I'm so jealous. They that can just is post the, whatever that the fuck you cracked they want. Because <laughs> I was wondering exactly that and you just explained it so clearly. Um, if it's just pulling stuff out of your ass then like of course anyone can come up with anything but so lucky must be nice i think about it when (laughs) people send me videos people send me videos and i'm like oh this content creator has it so easy like (laughs) i wish i could never literally i could never lighting's terrible sounds echoey chatting i don't even know what they're saying they're bumbling over words look at all the likes all right look at all the content Look at all the. Co- I'm ah. selling facts. It's so boring. <laughs> I gotta really work hard, and I gotta look up the facts, and I did all this school, and then this guy just comes up and is like, mm, "Famous now? It's bullshit." <laughs> so anyway, I fucking hate it here. I mean, okay. My last point to you, Sam, is if there are anything unethical that you'd want to be able to take from people from misinformation actors what would the uh, non-ethical thing that you wish you could do um be what would you wish you could do yeah if you were not an ethical individual <laughs> i don't i don't want to do anything not ethical I, I you know what i fantasize about though i'll okay. tell you okay <laughs> <laughs> related to this topic okay. like if it were safe for me to do this I would love to do like an in-person without them having their cronies feeding them bullshit. Like, talk to me. Let's go. Like, (laughs) you tell me your shit to my face because I will shut you down so hard. Like, I'm not that nice in person. (laughs) And so my fantasy is like, I would love to have this conversation like in real life if it were safe. I don't trust these guys, so I wouldn't. Mm. But they've asked me to go on live with them and I would never do that because they don't deserve the amplification that that conversation would bring them but i do wish i could shut them down in my life because i know that they couldn't keep up the library is open let's go would be so great oh my god sam is (laughs) team (laughs) wow (laughs) you see but a real debate like let's do a real debate like try (laughs) because they hide behind these things they hide behind their bots and their followers and their, you know, fake information. Like, let's go head to head in a real discussion. You couldn't keep up. Um, <laughs> but I just wouldn't, that wouldn't be safe for me. They, I'd get murdered. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah this like, is, actually, not, yeah, yeah. not intellectually. <laughs> and now we're back in the real world where everything is sadness. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not safe for women and femmes. <laughs> to fight grown men (laughs) i want to say we have come to the end 
of the podcast. Oh, I know, it's the end of the podcast. We've had so much fun. Sam, have you had fun? I've had a great time. I love it. <laughs> I have had the best time talking to Sam and been like so many mind-blowing facts and I'm also still still like pumped that we got you on the podcast, so I'm still riding that wave. So thank you for coming on. So, great so grateful you. to be here. Well, thank you so it's much lovely. for being here. No, this is fantastic. I feel like I have learned so much and I'm just hoping that you get the rest and relaxation that you deserve and that you don't assign your self-worth to how many people that you're able to convince to like, you know, get the vaccine and stuff. I'm hoping you're living your best life. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> I'm terrible. I, I. Anyway, I've been joined by Oz and Sam. Say bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. And I've been Alex Lathbridge. This has been Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.